0: The same way God prepared Moses for the pressures that he faces, the way he trains you. By taking you aside and letting you get to know him more intimately and personally. You got to take time to be with God. And sometimes we don't take the time. And sometimes God has to set us aside physically and say, you're too busy. You're too busy. You're, you're even too busy caught up in serving me to hear me.
1: I don't know about you, but I can really identify with that statement. Like almost everyone, I lead a life that is way too busy. One of my fondest memories, a real spiritual milestone, was a month that I spent alone with God during my college years. It was a long bicycle trip from Denver to Oregon, and there was no TV, no newspaper, I had no chores to do or books to read, I just pedaled my bike and talked with God. It was a life-changing event for me. It was tough, but I'd love to do it again. Welcome to Verse by Verse with Pastor Teacher Steve Kreloff. Pastor Steve has been ministering at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida for over 25 years. His practical lessons are now available through the work of Verse by Verse Ministries by way of this great radio station as well as our own website. I'll tell you about the website later on. Let's get started with class now. We are studying the faith chapter, Hebrews chapter 11, and the heroes of the faith listed in that wonderful chapter. Today is the middle part of Pastor Steve's seventh message on the topic. Pastor Steve is telling us about Moses and the transforming work that God did in Moses, changing him from the proud son of a princess to, as he's described in Numbers 12 verse 2, the most humble man in the world. Here's Pastor Steve with today's study.
0: Stephen says in Acts chapter 7 that for the first 40 years of his life, Moses, and I quote, was educated in all the learning of the Egyptians, and he was a man of power in words and deeds. But you know what? During the next 40 years, God took this strong-willed, impulsive, powerful man, and he crushed him, and he made him weak. And that's the way God works. Someone said that for the first 40 years of Moses' life, he thought he was somebody for the next 40 years of his life, God showed him he was a nobody. And then someone said, and for the last 40 years of his life, God showed him that, that he can use nobodies. God had to crush Moses. For 40 years, he was a student in what I call Desert University, where in solitude, God taught him lessons of humility, lessons of patience, but primarily God taught Moses who he was. Not who Moses was, but who God was. And Moses had to learn in relation to who God was, who he was. God crushed him, and that's the way God works. When he's going to use a man or a woman, he crushes that man or a woman. It's not a pleasant thing, and we wish that there was an instant way to do this, But there's no instant way to do it. It's through suffering and a quiet period of time that you become acquainted with God. It is through rejection of others. It is through loneliness that you learn the things that God has for you. And that's what took place with Moses. Moses needed to become more familiar with divine wisdom. Moses needed to become more intimate with God. Moses needed to understand that he was absolutely a nobody and that God was Well, more than wonderful, as the song says. And so when God called him through the burning bush experience to return to Egypt and to Pharaoh, a different Pharaoh at this time, but to return to Egypt and Pharaoh and to say boldly, let my people go. He obeyed God and he went and he confronted Pharaoh and eventually led the children of Israel out of Egypt. And how did he do this? Let's look back at Hebrews chapter 11. How did he do this? He did it by faith, by faith. That's our writer's point, that it was in trusting God that Moses was able to have the courage to do this. He looked Pharaoh in the eye, and instead of cowering in fear, which he would have done 40 years ago, he took an entire nation of about 2 million people, and he led them out of Egypt. And how did he do this? Hebrews 11 verse 27 says at the end, for he endured... That is to say, he persevered as seeing him who is unseen. What a magnificent, magnificent statement. That's really a paradox. How do you see him who is unseen? How do you do that? In fact, do you know that 1 Timothy 1, verse 17 says, Now to the king eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. He is invisible. 1 Timothy chapter 6. Verse 16 says, who alone, speaking of God, approaches immortality and dwells in unapproachable light whom no man has seen or can see. And yet the Bible says that Moses saw him who is unseen. What does that mean? He saw him by faith. He saw him through the eyes of faith. As you believe God's uh, word and you believe he's with you and as he promised to be you focus on his character and you see him who is unseen and that's what that's what Moses did you see the the Greek word that's translated seeing in Hebrews chapter 11 means more than a casual look or a glance the word was used in Greek literature of keeping one's attention fixed on something It's gazing at something. It's, it says that, uh, Greek writers will compare it and say that it's, it's like an artist who fixes his attention on the object or, or model that he's drawing or sculpturing. He pays careful attention. It's a fixed look. It's a look without uh, wavering and wandering. It's a look that pays careful attention. And what does that tell us about faith? What does that say to us today about faith? The way we endure the pressures And the problems and the fears of life is by fixing our gaze upon God. Not the difficulties that we face. And that's not an easy lesson to learn. It took Moses about 40 years to learn that. Just as Moses endured by paying more attention to the invisible king than to the king of Egypt. So we have to keep our our eyes on the Lord and not on our problems. Now how do you do this? Well... How did God train Moses? How did Moses learn to do this? How did Moses learn to walk by faith and overcome fear? God isolated him in a desert where he revealed himself to Moses. The burning bush expressed God's holiness. God said, take off your sandals for the place that you're standing is holy ground. In Exodus 33:11, the Bible says that the Lord used to speak to Moses face-to-face just as a man speaks to his friend. And the continued promise of God's presence gave Moses the strength to endure one setback after another because he knew God. Exodus chapter 11. You don't need to turn there. Let me just read it to you quickly. Exodus 11, uh, chapter 3 rather. Exodus 3 verse 11 gives a great promise. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the sons of Israel out of Egypt? Good question. Who are you? Moses has learned his lesson. He's a nobody. Verse 12. And God said, "Certainly I will be with you and this shall be a sign to you that it is I who have sent you when you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall worship God in this mountain." God said, "I'll be with you, Moses." Moses said, "Who am I?" God in essence said, "You're nobody, but I'll be with you. I am with you." Listen, that's how you endure. The same way God prepared Moses for the pressures that he faces, the way he trains you, by taking you aside and letting you get to know him more intimately and personally. you got to take time to be with God. And sometimes we don't take the time. And sometimes God has to set us aside physically and say, you're too busy. You're too busy. You're, you're even too busy caught up in serving me, to hear me. If you're going through a difficult time, then maybe... It's because God wants you to focus on knowing him. The only way you'll stop and listen to him is if he puts you through an isolated desert type of experience. And that's why if you're going through a time of of extreme loneliness, don't look at that and say, look what a raw deal I've had. Oh, look at this horrible Christmas. I'm not with family. You've got to look at it and say, maybe, God, you want me to spend this time with you. Maybe you want me to get in your word and and study and stop feeling sorry for myself. Or maybe it's a time of rejection of friends for you. Maybe you've been deeply hurt by something. Maybe it's because God wants you to see that he's the only one you can really depend on. And it's through suffering and through difficulties and through God showing us that we're really not as important as we think we are that God gets through and we and we begin to know him in a deep and personal way and then you can face any of life's pressures. Even after many years of ministry, the Apostle Paul cried out to God in Philippians 3 that, that I may know him and the fellowship of his sufferings. That I may know him. Is that your cry? Is that your concern? You can be so active and busy for the Lord and serving him that you don't know him. You don't really know him. I don't mean you don't have a relationship with him, but it's not particularly deep. It doesn't go a lot beyond John 3.16. God wants you to know Him. God wants you to see how big He is. Why? Because when your God is big, your problems look very small. And when in your mind, your God is small and He can't handle your problems, your problems are enormous. So you've got to get to know God in a deep and abiding and and very intimate way. And then when you come out of the desert, you're ready to walk by faith because you now know God like you've never known him before and the bottom line is this the bottom line is we get to know God as we spend time in his word as we spend time in prayer and I don't mean some canned grocery list praying I mean where you pour out your heart and you really share with God uh, some, some, some horrible things going on in your heart and sin and lack of faith and lack of repentance and poor motives. And you just kind of pour out that stuff as God shows you. And you sense through the word that God is healing you and and meeting your needs and and God is making himself known to you and God doesn't want you to be caught up in any of your problems. He wants you to be caught up in him and you spend time in prayer and the purity of motives are going on and you spend, you're opening the word and you're seeing that the word is so practical and applicable and you're just getting to know him. And you can face anything. You can look a Pharaoh in the eye and say, let my people go. And that's exactly what happened to Moses. Instead of looking at your problems, you'll see the invisible God whose presence is with you, and therefore you can overcome all problems because of who God is. So faith. Faith sees, first of all, God's presence, not problems. If you consume yourself with your problems, you're not going to see God. If you focus on, on God, the invisible God and his attributes, then your problems will be rather small. Secondly, second truth about faith. Faith not only sees God's presence and not problems, but faith relies on God's power, not human strength. It relies on God's power and God's deliverance. Verse 28 of Hebrews 11, by faith, still speaking of Moses, he kept, or really you could say he initiated the Passover and the sprinkling of the blood so that He who destroyed the firstborn might not touch them. When Moses instituted the Passover, he did this by faith in response to God's commands. Now you remember, and let me remind you, if you don't, of the historical account in Exodus. Moses had approached Pharaoh many times saying, let my people go. And time after time, Pharaoh refused. First, he would say, "Okay," and then everybody's hopes would be up, and then he'd change his mind, and he'd refuse. And time after time, he he hardened his heart, and he refused to submit to what God wants. And as a result of his refusals, God sent nine horrible plagues upon the Egyptians. But Pharaoh still hardened his heart. So in Exodus chapter eleven and chapter twelve, God revealed a tenth. Uh, just terrible plague upon Egypt, the death of all the firstborn in the lands. Now, God wanted to protect the Israelites from this plague of death, and they were instructed to kill a year-old, unblemished male lamb and sprinkle its blood upon the doorposts and lintels of their homes. And when God said he would see the blood, he would pass over Their homes and judgment would be averted. That's the basic story of the Passover. Now we look back at this with understanding. There's not a a person here who couldn't figure it out now, after many thousands of years of what was going on. We have more insight than Moses and the Israelites. We know that the blood of the animals was a symbolic picture of the perfect lamb sacrifice, the Lord Jesus Christ, the sacrifice for our sins. And today we know that God passes over our sins when by faith we accept Christ's death for us. We understand that. We understand that it's not just the killing of the lamb, just like they had to take the blood and apply it, so we have to take the death of Christ and apply it to our lives. You don't uh, know the Lord just because you intellectually believe that the Lamb of God was slain. You personally appropriate his death for you when you believe that he died for me. It was for my sins that he died. But I want you to understand, Moses and the Jewish people didn't comprehend all of this. In fact, they probably comprehended very little of this. To them, these Passover instructions must have seemed rather odd and strange. Think about it. I'll take a lamb... Go kill that lamb, go put blood. What are you talking about? That must have been very, very strange. But yet Moses obeyed and the children of Israel obeyed by faith. Why? Because faith relies on God's power and not human strength. They wanted deliverance and they went by God's provision. The deliverance of Israel depended upon them obeying the Passover instructions. It says in Exodus chapter 11, verse 1, About this deliverance and I read it to you Exodus 11 verse 1 now the Lord said to Moses one more plague I will bring on Pharaoh and on Egypt after they will let you go from here when he lets you go he will surely drive you out from here completely they wanted that physical deliverance they wanted to be gone and so they believed what God said and they in simple faith relied on his power to bring about their deliverance from Egypt and not their own resources And you know what? They could have relied on their own resources. They were about two million people. In fact, do you recall that the reason the Egyptians put them under hard labor is because they were multiplying more than the Egyptians. They were a huge, huge group of people. And now they had Moses and his leadership. And you had Aaron there, and they could have been organized, and they could have fought, and they could have gone out on, on their own strength, at least tried it. But they did what God wanted them to do, because faith relies on God's power it does not rely on human ingenuity and human strength now this is the way faith operates today as well it relies on God to do what he would do without trying uh, without us trying to accomplish in our own strength what we think is best that is to say that faith is not human scheming faith is not conniving faith and and so many of us do this we think we really know better than God The children of Israel would have lost their firstborn if they had felt that they had a better plan for deliverance from Egypt than God did, but they obeyed him even if they couldn't understand, and that's the way we have to be. It's the way faith is. It trusts God even when we don't comprehend what God is doing. We don't even have a clue as to what God is doing, and yet we have to trust him. We believe, you see, here's the key, we believe him first before we understand him. That's faith. It's not the other way around. It's not that I understand first all that God is doing, and then I'll choose to trust Him. It's I trust Him first, and then later I might understand what He's doing. I might not understand. But you see, there's a, there's a basic foundation here. It's this. God is always right. Just some verses. Scripture says His ways are not our ways. So I believe that. I don't have to understand what He's doing. In fact, if I understood it, it'd be frightening. Secondly, God says, as for God, his ways are perfect. I remember learning that verse as a brand new believer, and it was so comforting. As for God, his ways are perfect. Then the scripture says, shall not the judge of the, of the earth do right? Of course. Is, can God do anything wrong? Shall not the judge of the earth do right? How about Job going through his horrible experiences says, though he though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Job didn't understand what God was doing, and, and yet he said, though he slay me, I'll trust him because I know God is right. I know God is right. See, for a believer to not walk by faith is to take matters into his own hands, to believe that he knows better than God. He really thinks that he knows better than God. And to approach problems uh, with human solutions, that's all part of this, not walking by faith. That's the thats the serious problem I have with today's uh, human psychology. And Christians are getting into this left and right, and what we call biblical counseling is, is really usually not biblical counseling. We're all for biblical counseling, but when you call it Christian counseling, and yet its it's Freud and his colleagues with a few smatterings of Christian jargon, uh, that is very, very dangerous, and you know what that reminds me of? You'll turn to First uh, First Corinthians, chapter one. It's not just psychology that troubles me; it's that believers feel that the Bible doesn't have the answers to their deep questions and problems, and so they have to look at uh, at human wisdom. and Let me show you what God says about human wisdom. First Corinthians, chapter one, verse eighteen. For the word of the cross is to those who are perishing foolishness, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. The world looks at the message of the gospel and says, what a silly, foolish message. But we know that it is the power of God unto salvation. Verse 19, for it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the cleverness of the clever I will set aside. Where is the wise man? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? After mankind's history of searching and, and philosophizing and being clever and having all kinds of wisdom, God is basically saying, where has it gotten him? No, Nowhere. Verse 21, for since the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not come to know God. If all the world's wisdom couldn't get them to know God, then it's absolutely foolish, he's saying. God was well pleased through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. For indeed, Jews ask for signs and Greeks search for wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. So the Jews are stumbling blocks into Gentiles' uh, foolishness. While the world considers the message of the cross foolish, the real foolishness is worldly wisdom. And so I warn you about that. I warn you about the dangers and Psalm One says, "How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, and walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of the scoffers. But his delight is in what? You tell me, the law of the Lord. And in his law he meditates day and night, day and night. And he will be like a tree firmly planted by the streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. And whatever he does, he prospers. He wants stability." You want security in your life? Don't go to the world's well for, for the wisdom that they have to offer. They don't have any wisdom to offer. Nothing that's substantial. How about Colossians chapter two, verse eight says this, and you can just mark this down. See to it, Paul writes, that no one take you captive through philosophy and empty deception according to the tradition of men, according to the elementary principles of the world rather than according to Christ. So don't look to the world for solutions. The Israelites certainly didn't. They didn't look to their own human ingenuity and cleverness and say, you know, we can break out of here if we had a great plan. No, they trusted God. They relied on God's power even though they didn't know what was going on. And that's the way faith is. So faith sees God's presence, not problems. Secondly, faith relies on God's power and not human solutions.
1: It seems counterintuitive, doesn't it? How many times have you heard it said that God helps those who help themselves? Well, God certainly wants us to use the intelligence he has given to us. We can save ourselves a lot of grief with just a small dose of common sense. But what about those times when, through no fault of our own, we land in a real jam? We scheme and plot and just cannot find a way out of the difficulty. I know I've been there before, and then when it seems hopeless, I give up and confess that I've been relying on myself instead of God. Suddenly, things start to happen that just amaze me, and I wonder, how could I have been such a fool and not let God handle it from the start? We're glad you could join us today for Verse by Verse. Our teacher is Pastor Teacher Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Pastor Steve's 25-plus years of preaching at Lakeside have inspired the creation of Verse-by-Verse Ministries and these daily programs. Verse-by-Verse Ministries is a faith ministry supported by the prayers and gifts of interested listeners who have first been faithful to their own churches. If you would like to hear today's class again, visit our website, versebyverseradio.org. We have each day's broadcast available there, as well as past programs, which can be found on the archives page. We also offer a free podcasting service and a complimentary newsletter if you'd like to take advantage of either of those services. The web address again is versebyverseradio.org. To hear Pastor Steve's entire message at one time, you can order an audio CD or a cassette tape. Please call us at 727 727 239-0306. Leave your name and a number and we'll return your call during weekday office hours. That number again, 727-239-0306. Please join us for our next class. We've learned so far from Moses that faith sees God's presence, not problems, and that faith relies on God's power, not human solutions. In our next class, Pastor Steve will show us yet another principle that we can learn from the life of Moses.